152 yards should be just a nice, comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. Welcome in, golf fans. Yo, yo, yo. This is the Preferred Lines Podcast. My name is Joe Idoni at Tour Picks. If you want to give the boy a follow on Twitter, welcome to your weekly golf gambling club meeting. This week, back on tap, Quail Hollow for the Wells Fargo Championship after a one-year hiatus due to hosting the President's Cup. We're back in beautiful uh, right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Should have a great event on tap for this week. Uh, before we get started, I want to thank my partners at Fantasy Golf Pod. They're huge supporters of the show, and I love those guys. My boy Chad, Jish, Eric, they have the show that has already been released, the First Look show earlier today. You can go back and check that out. Uh, Wednesday, they will all be together on the live stream as well at 420 Central time. I, I got to get them off central time, but the boys will be ready to go. Uh, make sure to give them a support and follow at Fantasy Golf Pod. Here's what we have on tap for tonight. I'm going to bring in a guest in just one second. Um, we are going to go over sort of what we saw last week at the Mexico Open, talk a little, maybe a little bit of Singapore, look ahead for a second to the PGA Championship, then shift gears totally toward a course preview for Quail Hollow Golf Club. Uh, and then we're going to go through the odds board, the top, middle, and long shot range to see if we can isolate any value on the board for you guys this week. Without further ado, uh, I'm so pumped to have this guy back on the show and just talk to him. He's absolutely one of my like Mount Rushmore favorite guests to bring on. I feel like we have some really good chemistry. I love talking to the guy. Uh, he's Team Brooks for life. We're big supporters. Welcome back in, Luke. Sweat it out. How you doing, buddy? Dude, that was oh man, that got me going. That was quite the introduction, man. I'm I'm doing fantastic, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great, man. No complaints. I was just talking to you before we got hot. I'm excited. Going to go on a little family trip here in a few days. You just got off a family trip to the Caribbean, uh, down there in Cancun. Did you? Did it? Was there a lot of hype down there in Mexico about the Mexico Open and Tony Finau making a run? Did you get to watch any? So I, I was trying to watch as much as I could, you know, and it yeah. was funny because we were at a Vedanta resort, um, <laughs> but like at a different resort, obviously. Um, and, and I figured out while we were there, I was like, wow, we could have booked this at the Puerto Vallarta yeah. one. We could have been going to the, the, op- like the Mexico open missed opportunity. Um, but no, it was, there, I, there wasn't a lot of hype. We what did have it, some, uh, no, we got you. Got to go. You got to go uh, find mama, right, buddy? I know it. I know it. Go find mama. Oh, okay. Do you want to say hi to my buddy? Come on. Say just to, say just live streaming at its finest. Hello, say son. Hi, How are you? No. Okay. No. But there was like posters all over the place of of you know John Rom and golf in Mexico. And they also had Fletcher Azul uh, stuff everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's that's the life we live the people uh, love it that's the life we live man we are real uh this is not f- real studios we are in our houses we both have young children uh these things these things occur often it's happened on my show before yeah but but no so there was like a bunch of Fletcher azul stuff going on all over the resort and like they were selling it all over i was drinking it all week like uh their specialty cocktails and stuff. And can I get a I was, review kinda, on Fletcher Azul? Dude, it's incredible. Um, Are you a tequila guy? I I am a tequila guy when I drink too. drink hard alcohol. Um, the Reposada is the best tequila I've ever had, um, really? and that's that's like their seventy five dollar price point, um, and it's it's phenomenal. Like it's one of the only uh, you know tequilas that no not one of the only, but it's a tequila that I definitely can just you know, shoot it straight and no, no, you know, look on my face, nothing. It's just like the smoothest. It's amazing. So Abe answer did something right with that. Him and him and Wahlberg got a good thing going there. That's awesome. I've recently within the last six months shifted to being a tequila guy. I was always yeah. um, a bourbon guy and now I'm on a, a tequila kick. My go-to is back there. It's uh 
like everyday drink is is Terramana, the Rocks tequila. Have you tried that one? Oh, nice. I have not. I didn't know the Rock had a tequila. That's Dude, exciting. it is solid. It's only like 35 to 40 bucks in that price range, but good mid-tier tequila smooth. Um, but that's awesome, man. So obviously Tony got it done, was able to hold off John Rahm, and, and I had a nice Brandon Wu ticket I was rooting for, but my wife was like, I was watching it with her, and she's like, you have woo, right? And I'm like, yeah. She was like, man, that sucks. He's right. sandwiched right between Rob and Fidel. I'm like, tell me about yeah. it. Yeah. Always felt like it was going to be one of those two guys when we saw the favorites released. Um, but it's always this thing in the past where it's been golf, right? And we this doesn't just happen anymore. But this past year, it tends to be happening happening at a, a greater clip than we've really ever seen. What do you sort of do you attribute that to anything specifically, or are these guys just being able to separate from the mid-tier PGA Tour player more than they have in recent years? Yeah, I don't know that I can pinpoint you know, exactly what's causing it. I, I feel that the live thing may have something to do with it, where like, you know, we're getting the, the stud players together more often, right, with, with the elevated events. Right. Um, and even this week is, is not elevated, I don't believe, but it's, it's it a pretty is. darn good field. Oh, is it elevated? It actually is technically elevated status, yeah. Okay, so, I mean, it makes sense with the field. And so I think that that has, you know, plays a part, obviously, when the best players are getting together more often, good players are going to rise to the top, almost like we've always seen at major championships, right? Like, long shots just don't win majors typically. And as it is right now, long shots are not really winning a lot of elevated events. Um, and then when you get a Tony and a, and a Rom out of, you know, what essentially amounts to an alternate field event, like those are, you know, an alternate field quality, you're just going to see those guys uh, rise to the top. And, and yeah, we do have John Rom, who's on a pretty historic winning run over the last, what, six months. Right. Um, Scotty Scheffler is winning at a crazy clip. So it's just hard, man. It's like you said, we used to get guys in the mid tier winning golf tournaments and like that just isn't happening this year, which, is discouraging for people like us who yeah. like to try to get more bang for our buck on the, you know, the outright win. But, you know, the Mexico Open, you looked at that board and you're like, well, it's probably going to be Rom or Tony. Do I want to swallow that price or do I want to try to find a Brandon Wu? You know, I was sitting on Will Gordon, who was in decent shape throughout a yep. lot of the week. And like, then it's just like, well, there, there goes Tony making every 12 footer on a par three, you know, 200 yard par three, 12 feet birdie putt like up and down from the bunker yeah yeah exactly so i I don't know what is exactly it is maybe that the you know elite guys in the game are just getting more and more elite but to me that doesn't make a ton of sense right because like everybody should be getting better i don't know maybe these guys are just they're just having a special year and and maybe in the second half of the season we'll see it change but as far as the elevated events go i don't expect too much to change. I expect we'll see a lot of the studs winning like every week. Yeah. And it's super interesting to me because as someone who tries to figure out the why, why is this happening? um, I think it can only be that, that these players have just really separated talent wise, because you look at an event like last week and there was clearly, okay. So Rom uh, immediately after winning the masters goes to the heritage. He said he, you know, was holding off any sort of partying or celebration till after the heritage. Um, he goes home for a week, clearly deservingly. So had himself a good time, enjoyed some time with the friends, people at the local golf club. I saw on, um, social media. First of all, Tony has the best wife in the world to follow on social media. She posts all her yeah, family stuff. Awesome. So Tony took all the kids like camping on the beach and was like they had they set up like a little tent out there. We're like roasting marshmallows and just just literally doing dad stuff, which is what I assume Rom was doing, probably taking some dad roles on. Also enjoying, you know, the postmaster sort of victory lap with all his friends there at home. So my point being, if there was any week where both of these players were going to sort of come in a little bit unfocused, a little bit potentially less prepared than they would a normal week with less at stake for them, it would have been last week. Yet they're still able to knock the rust of the first nine holes, you know, sort of roll out of bed in a sense and find themselves at the top of the leaderboard, which was um surprise like in that sense it was a bit surprising for me to see them both up there 
Um, but it's just the caliber of player that they that they've both sort of become. The other event I followed loosely a little bit, and I've been trying to keep tabs on Liv a little bit. Um, but the Singapore event, obviously, Taylor Gooch goes back to back. Brooksy looked really good again, was one shot off the lead. I gotta give credit to you, man. All credit to you because I had the uh the the sort of notoriety of the Brooks ticket, and you were the one of all people, not many people know that initially tipped me off on it at the 99 to one number uh, that was so much fun to sort of sweat that out and, and, you know, text back and forth with you, every other hole I was already looking up. I'll tell you, I, I was, I was going to get you something nice, man. I had something honestly <laughs> picked out that I was going to send to you. If that thing was, if that thing uh, came through, but what do you see um, in looking ahead to the PGA championship? Do you, have you seen anything or, or any, like sort of bombs that you got your eyes on maybe not to that degree but any early thoughts and players that you really like their value on the board yeah i mean so as far as uh you know live goes i've been kind of doing the same i don't i haven't watched a single shot but i do try to follow who's like winning each week yeah. um and it's funny too because you can probably check like the first round leaderboard and like the top five is going to end up being the top five you know at the end it, yeah. it's kind of funny how 54 holes works like that Right. Um, but but we've been seeing a lot of the same guys who are playing well week mm-hmm. in and week out on live and the same guys who just like clearly don't really care that much. Like uh, I mentioned Fletcher Azul and Abraham answer like that guy does not yeah. seem to really care very much. He's kind of towards the bottom every week, whereas we see uh, the Taylor Gooches of the world winning back to back like Brooks all right. of a sudden now that he's clearly healthy is in the mix every week like yeah. um, DJ and Cam Smith are kind of seem like they're trying to stay sharp right mm-hmm. but they're they're like they're like kind of around but not really contending and winning um so you know that that's been interesting to follow obviously uh you know we're going to take a look at brooks in the right now low 20s for every major i think you know yeah if he's healthy why not right like we saw it at the masters after not really seeing him do his thing for over a year right so um that's that's certainly a look um I think that I think that Cam Smith is going to be a a guy in major championships going forward. PGA Championship is one that I always kind of tag as like uh, elite drivers kind of a, a championships, and and he can bomb the ball. I don't know that he's he's elite, you know, as far as accuracy goes, but could be a look. Um, you know, I haven't spent a ton of time looking, but just scrolling through the odds boards, you know, maybe the Keegan Bradleys of the world. Um, I don't know if Gary Woodland. We'll probably talk a little bit more about Gary Woodland here in a little bit. I have. I have shows up at a major championship. Yeah, that's my future. Was Woodland? Um, I got a good number, one hundred and eighty to one. There's still one hundred and fifties out there. Um, I think he's super sharp with his long iron play right now. I think Gary Woodland is like poor man's. I used to always say poor man's Brooks, but honestly, right now, how much and I'm going to bring this up because I know you love this guy. How much separation is there really between Cameron Young and Gary Woodland? Um, right. Woodland does a lot of the things in, except for the accuracy that Cameron Young does. Neither of them are, have been prolific winners to this point um, at any degree in their career, but I just feel like Gary getting basically five times or six times the price of those other guys does present some value. Cam Smith, you mentioned is the one I've really got my eye on. Now I've been trying to pay close attention to cam. He has not put it all together yet. He finished third in Adelaide um, in a top five, I believe last week at Singapore, if not top five, right around there. He mentioned some injury things that were lingering toward the beginning of the season that he talked about at the Masters, but he still had a pretty good finish at the Masters. Look, DJ doesn't have it right now, and I want him to have it, but something's not there. So for me, then I pivot to Cameron Smith, and I'm like, okay, you think U.S. Open, you think PGA Championship, those don't really align with Cam Smith, but... I also think about the courses that I've seen him him win at, um, and you and you, he's got a really wide variety. Like he almost won the Masters. He won like Sony. He won Tournament of Champions, which is long and wide open. He won Sony, which is short and narrow. He won the Players, which is so penal off the tee, like the most 
demanding course off the tee in the world is probably the Players' Championship because you cannot miss. That's a terrible setup on paper for Cameron Smith. So my point yep. being is he's good enough to overcome basically any golf course, and I'm starting to see numbers drift toward 30. I think as we even get closer, we could see 35 to 40 because um, I, if he doesn't win Tulsa, the numbers are going to be a little bit skewed in terms of the last time that he won. Uh, people may be a little bit doubting his form, and I think ultimately not many people are going to show up to the ticket window trying to place a 25 or 30 to 1 number on Cam Smith because they're going to see the course set up and be deterred by 7,500 yards, par 70, um, narrowish fairways that really are going to demand long iron play and distance off the tee. So he's definitely one guy that I've been looking to. And Joaquin Neiman is the other one from Live. There's 80 to ones right now on Neiman. He's kind of been lingering. He hasn't all been there, but he was really solid at the Masters. And really, I saw Gooch play very solid at the Masters. I should have probably noticed it sooner. But uh, Neiman was very good there, and there's 80 to ones currently out there on Neiman. But those are kind of the the guys I've got my eye on. Yeah, I mean, if Gucci's form continues the way it is, like you know, the number is going to be good. Uh, yeah, it's around 50. I've, I've got a 33 at circa on Camp Smith. Pretty enticing number nice. for a guy who who you know, yeah, has won a Players, has won a, an Open Championship, has almost won a Masters, and. It's a good point that you make about, you know, his course versatility because he's almost won the Masters, which we know is an incredibly long golf course. He mm -hmm. won the Players, which we know is very penal off the tee. Um, and we won at uh, St. Andrews, which is just very unique, uh, yeah. unique course compared to what they play all the time. So, I mean, the variety that he has is is pretty special, no doubt. It is. Yeah. So Brian, I see you're looking for the, the, the it's coming soon, Brian, on the merch store. My guy Luke has one of the old school tees there, but uh, I'm working at it sort of one step at a time. It, it's a one man, uh, one man <laughs> band over here. So I'm, I'm getting yeah. things, my ducks in a row. We will have some stuff up soon. I really do genuinely appreciate your guys support. Um, I posted a video earlier to the page. I played the park in West Palm Beach this past weekend. It's where I got this little tee here. But a very cool, unique golf course, unlike anything that I've ever played in Florida. Probably my second favorite course in all of the south of the United States. So um, even if you're not into that, go to the, go on the uh, PL YouTube channel and give that thing a like so we can kind of get some views around there on that. I'd appreciate it. All right, man, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about what we're going to see for this week. Uh, Quail Hollow. I'm going to give a brief sort of, you know, course what I'm looking for in terms of course history and what I've seen. Uh, and then you'd let me know if you sort of have anything to add here. But, um, you know, it, it's reasonably predictive, I think, in terms of course history. Data Golf, I believe, has it as the sixth most predictive stop on tour. So there's definitely something there to guys who have had previous success. Um, Overseeded Bermuda grass greens that are slightly below average in size, but they're sneaky fast and deceptive and tricky we'll see a lot of missed putts inside of five feet it is one of the most difficult lag putting courses that we see all year on tour um narrowish fairways we know about the length it's it's one of the i believe the top five longest courses on tour so you need to have carry distance you need to have driver distance Although there is not a huge penalty for misses off the tees, even though the fairways are relatively narrow. So Tom Fazio did the redesign in 2016, which the intention there, I believe, was to make this course worthy of championship level events. And since we've seen that, we saw the 2017 PGA played here. We saw the President's Cup played here. Um, I it, The intention, I think, was to add some length, add some difficulty, which I do believe that he achieved. Uh, the previous five winners, McElroy's twice in there. Jason Day, Max Homa, and James Hahn? Like, what? <laughs> Not sure what happened there, but um, although the uh, sort of routing was flipped this past fall for the President's Cup and they, they redid um, the order of some holes, we did see similar skill sets prevail. Length off the tee, long iron player, always hugely important here. Like I mentioned, quality lag putting. It's like it's ultimately, I believe, a test of repeatability and consistency. And can you hit it long and straight? And can you stick a 190 yard shot over and over and over again? There are these par fours, the first three par fours of the day 
are in this 450 to 500 yard range. And that's basically the golf course, right? There's there's essentially nine holes that are 450 to 500 yard par fours. Half the holes you play are going to be right in that distance. There's one that's like 449 and one that's like 505, but we know how they play with the tee boxes. Basically, half the holes you're going to be playing are almost the exact same hole, the exact same yardage, and you need to do the same things over and over again to have some success here. Those are kind of my notes on it. Do you have anything that you've seen uh, previously that you'd like to add there? No, I mean, the thing I was focusing on uh, definitely is the long iron play and, and, you know, uh, just you got to be able to hit, like you said, 190 yard shots. I, I think it was Andy, our boy Andy Lack, who said um, in a, in a preview of this course maybe a couple years ago that it was like he he wasn't. I don't know. I don't know. Andy, don't get mad if I get this wrong, but he basically said something about this course of it asks the same question over and over, which is exactly what you're saying. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's can you hit a long iron? Right. So that's that's something we've seen a lot. We've seen guys who drive the ball really well have success here. Obviously, when Rory is winning multiple times, um, you want to see somebody who's a a prolific driver of the golf ball. Um, And then the other thing, you know, for people who are digging into numbers like don't get, you know, remember 2022 last year's Wells Fargo was not at this golf course. 2017 Mm -hmm. Wells Fargo was not at this golf course. And there was a lot of changes made to the golf course for that. Uh, 2017 PGA championship. So we really have like three years worth of data at this tournament, at this course in its current setup. That's just something to keep in mind. Totally agree. Three years of data, because I do think um, the PGA, when they come in, they ultimately are going to set it up the way that they want to set it up, right? They're giving sort of creative freedom over the rough, the tee boxes, how everything is cut versus normally the Wells Fargo championship is going to be set up this week by the superintendent, which we really only have three years um, of this current data sort of in set. All right, let's get to the Osborne. Who do we want to bet? You've got Rory McIlroy as your favorite here on the DraftKings Sportsbook at 7-1. to one. Patrick Cantlay is second on the odds board, 12-1. to one. Tony Finau, fresh off a of victory, 14-1. to one. Xander, 16-1. to one. Hovland, 20. Spieth, 20. Fitz, 22. JT, 22. Morikawa, 22. Cameron Young, 22. Mr. Luke, you got anybody up here, dude? Yeah, fuck, man, they really bunched him in on us. Uh, yeah. They just kind of, yeah, didn't do us a lot of favors. Um, I'm going to be skipping the first first couple. Um, you know, I think that like we've like we've talked about, elites are winning these these fields, right? These events, these elevated sure. events are just it's, it's the good guys. But I think there are some guys who we would consider uh, on that you know border of being an elite player who are in the the low to mid twenties, and I think that's where I'm going to focus. I may end up with with three potentially definitely two in this range. Um, and the first guy I'm looking at is, is the guy with probably some of the best incoming form outside of maybe, I don't, I don't know. He might have the best incoming form of anybody on this uh, board. And that's my guy, my guy, Jordan speed. Hmm. Uh, you know, he's just, he's coming in hot. He's got a, comes in off a, let's see a second, a fourth, a, a match play 31st, whatever, a third, a 19th and a fourth in his last. So, I mean, four top, yeah, four top four finishes in his last five stroke play events. I mean, the guy is, is hitting the snot out of the golf ball. Um, In the last 24 rounds, he's first in strokes gained total. You know, the ball striking is incredible and, you know, somewhat uncharacteristically of Jordan Spieth. uh, It's actually the short game that has been, you know, kind of his shortcoming. He's not, not hitting the putts down the stretch that he needs to hit. He could have won at uh, API. He had chances to win um, at heritage a couple weeks ago. So he's just knocking on the door. He's right there. You know, I don't have any questions about him when it comes to the long game. He's, he's plenty long enough with the driver. Um, I, you know, I feel good about his, his long iron play. Um, And it's just a matter of, you know, can he make the putts? And he's got a little bit of course history here. Nothing, nothing spectacular, but, um, he played in the PGA championship and had a 28th, you know, that was really his only time here in the last five years or whatever. So, you know, maybe a little bit of, of course rust, but 
um, that's probably where I'm going to start my start my ticket. And and I've got a, a 21. You know, I think that's fair. Yeah, I do think that's pretty fair. Um, the thing, so I'm looking, the interesting thing about Spieth, you're right, is um, he's really getting there tee to green very well right now. So you look at some stats like strokes game putting or three putt avoidance, and it tells partial story, right? It's not every chapter. You're leaving spots out. And what Spieth is really good at it, and my guy Rick Gaiman over on rickrungood.com, I'll shout him out, has a great stat on if you build the custom models there where um, it's basically approach putting. So what it's doing is taking how good of a lag putter are you? And when you have these longer putts, I'm not sure where the barometer starts, but let's say a 40-foot putt, how close do you end up, right? Even if you two putt right if you hit it eight feet by and make the second putt back that's considered an eight foot putt coming back you're gaining strokes game putting i would rather have someone two putt the first one to two feet and then knock the second one in he's not going to gain as many strokes putting there but that said he's going it's it's over the long term you can see that that person is the better putter and that's where spieth actually does excel now he tends to miss five footers at a, at yeah. a crazy rate right now, but ultimately like he made a lot of those at the president's cup. He made almost all of them. Like he was awesome. And it was finally like, like we didn't really have strokes gain data from the president's cup. Cause there's a lot of gimmies and you pick it up and stuff like that. But at the same token, like I could notice like speed felt back with the putter and then it hasn't come to fruition this season. I do think the numbers are there. Um, let me start at the top because I have zero interest in Rory. Um, I know about the course history. I want and I want to know why did he skip the heritage? Like, are we just going to let that slide? Let him, him, you know, skip his second elevated event. He, in the past two months, eight weeks, he hasn't made a cut. Luke, um, he has two miss. He, like, yeah. he all right. So he finished third at the match play. Like, right. That's is what it is. I'm not going to give him too much it's not a made cut all right so it's two other events in there are miscut so there's a little bit of a technicality in there but um i'm worried about his ability to hit fairways enough right now i'm worried that the putter is in a bad spot right now as well um and i just don't see betting seven to one if anything i have some interest in tony Finau because he did show the ability to go back to back his long iron play has been fantastic um, he's number one in proximity, basically from 175 yards and longer in terms of approach shots right now on the PGA Tour over the last 36 rounds, which you're going to have more than the average number of approaches from that range this week. Um, I'm, I'm hopping on Victor, man. I, I know there's a lot yeah. of people on him. I got a 22 to one. I think there. I've just been in this camp where I've been telling everyone that I know who is big Victor fans, like. It's coming soon, and there were a lot of people there for the Heritage. I didn't think that was a good course fit for him. There were a lot of people there for the Masters. I didn't love his short game stuff there. Um, I think this is the spot where we can really see his skill sets um, accentuated at a place like Quail Hollow. He's fourth in strokes gain approach. Um, His numbers basically across the board are are extremely solid. Third in in par four scoring in that range of 450 to 500 yards, like I mentioned. Second in strokes gain off the tee. Opportunities gain numbers are through the roof. He's giving himself a lot of birdie looks and difficult holes. Victor plays really well. I think that he's close. I think that he's hungry for a victory to capitalize on his current form and confidence right now with the swing. Um, and I think 22 to one, which are, there's still that number out there on a number of books is a worthy bet. And that's my favorite play at the top of the board. Yeah. Like I said, I'm going to have probably two, maybe three guys in this range. And I think Victor's definitely going to be one of them. Um, you know, you pointed out some of the relevant stats that, that definitely point to him. I've got this thing in my mind and I think I could back it up if I do enough research where Victor plays well on the same courses that Rory plays well. Uh, that's very, it just, I love that's, that. that's just the thing that I think is true, you know, and, <laughs> and even when Rory won, um, you know, won here a couple of years ago, I think Victor was third, right? So third, yep. they, there's, there's been some events where if you look at it, like 
those two are both in the top five of the, the leaderboard. And um, clearly this is a place where Rory plays really well. So I think that Victor is, yeah, Victor's got to be a play in that low twenties is, is a fair number for him in this field. So yeah, Jordan and Victor, those are definitely two of my bets this week. All right. Three interesting names. Just a, a quick take on them from you real quickly. Um, Thomas Morikawa young. I don't have any interest in any of them. Where are there? It's, it's, it's weird because of how many guys are above them, right? We're talking one, yeah. two, three, four, five, six, seven players above them, yet they're still 22 to one. So while the books clearly don't think that they're necessarily a favorite to win, they still aren't willing to hang like a 30 on one of these guys. Um, do you have interest in them? Where, how about let's do this? Rank the three of them, like even not just this week, the three of them where they're at as players right now today. Um, so I think it's really interesting that you mentioned these three guys because we did not talk about them before the show. Um, and these were the three guys other than the two that we've talked about that I wanted to talk about. So um, Morikawa, one. Okay. Agree. Justin Thomas, two. Cameron Young, three. I think that a lot might disagree on, on two and three there and have Young ahead of him. I'm a little salty about Cameron Young because I thought that he was going to be a really good play at Heritage and he was horrible. Um, and people are really down on Justin Thomas right now. I think that part of it is is warranted. His his putting is absolutely abysmal right now. And, and I think you've talked about that he's got kind of a little bit maybe too much going on with trying to shape shots different ways and you know, we see all the other elite guys that like, they've got a ball flight and they just stick with that ball flight and just hit it over and over and over really well. And he's trying to do all this stuff. But, you know, I bet Justin Thomas a lot in the last couple months. And I just watch him hit the ball to six feet all day long on 200 yard <laughs> shots. And like so frustrating the there. hardest holes that that nobody else is like even getting close to the hole. He's five feet away. and But then he's missing the putt. And so it's like it doesn't it, it doesn't show in his finishes or his scores how well he actually can still hit the golf ball. So to me, he's still kind of an elite player. Um, and it, I think he's one little tweak away from, from finding it and being that guy again. Um, you know, it was less than 12 months ago. He won a major championship. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of, you know, anecdotal and, you know, take it what you will, but he posted a swing uh, on Instagram in the last couple of days. And I watched it no less than a hundred times. And it, it looks different to me in a very like very minor way it, it it's not quite as steep you know we see him get that really high steep and it just looked a little bit more in this kind of slot that most guys are in interesting um, and god it looks smooth man i go look at his instagram there's a swing video he's got on there and tell me it doesn't look like one of the prettiest swings you've ever seen so whether that means anything it probably doesn't but i still think that justin thomas is one minor tweak especially with the putter away from from being back Okay, so I agree with your ranking of the three there. Um, Morikawa, I think, is the closest right now. I think that Thomas is the best player of the three long term. Um, I, I agree with that. I think that he'll have the most major championships of the three at the end of their careers. I was expecting a huge year from Justin Thomas. When we did the preseason ranking show, I had him up at like number two or three. Like five. I think I had Rom, Rory, JT. Um, I was had huge expectations, as I'm sure Justin Thomas had huge expectations for himself this season. I kind of like the fact that um, there have been some spots like he posted. There was a quick little workout video and then the swing. But I feel like in general, he's gone kind of like dark mode like zero dark 30 lebron like playoffs are on i'm turn i'm off of social media i'm back in the lab i'm gonna get this thing figured out and i have no concerns about his work ethic and attitude versus i may with some other players who are struggling i know that he's there um probably down here with his dad they're getting things figured out i love the fact that you noticed that the swing has gotten a little bit better a 25th at the heritage was it isn't like terrible such a disappointing miscut at the masters um which he just hasn't been able to sort of uh put it all together there except for the one year of course which it was played in the fall um obviously has the win at the pga here a 21st the following year and then a 26th 
you know, two years ago. So it's it's been pretty solid all in all. Yeah. I don't love the number. I would love this to get closer to like 28, and I don't think that's going to happen. My guy, like, I took a 28 to 1 on Max Homa. Um, some of the recent form I don't love, but you know, like I've had you put in a couple Homa bets for me. Uh, I've been so high on this guy all year. I think that he does have courses that tend to suit his game best. Obviously, the win here in 2019. Um, a little bit concerned about the basically back-to-back miscuts there were for for Max, but um, I think that he's better than that. Um, I look at some of the numbers that he's put together and he still ranks very high of the model that I ran um, top five in that par four range, sort of long-term top six in approach um, top four in approach history here. We know that he's a great putter and that's so important that this place, you know, Rory gained a ton of strokes with his putter actually when he won JT, actually, yeah. if you look at the numbers, had a really good putting week for his standards that week. Um, he's really good at avoiding three putts and lag putting, and he just makes a lot of 12 footers as well. Um, Max Victor, those are my two guys sub 30. And I think you're getting an extended value on Homa this week off of a little bit of a sleepy last month. Um, had he played a little bit better, I think that he probably comes in around that 22 to one number, which which is kind of where we had seen him settle into when in good form. But coming back to a course, he's won multiple times at a couple different stops on tour. I think it's a decent number. Yeah, I mean, the one thing about Max Homa is he wins hard events, right, or hard yeah. like, hard golf courses, like big boy courses. Um, there's some good crossover between success here and at Torrey, um, and he's got success at both, right? So, like, he's not someone you can count out. And I think, you know, I've said this about Max a couple times, that he's kind of like a legacy guy, and, like, I think he cares about his, his total wins and his world ranking, and, like, I think that he's probably pretty annoyed with his – current form right his miscuts so like i think i think he'll show up with some fire i, th- I think that's a, a good bet in the high 20s um you know i may get there it's for me it's i'm between like morikawa maybe justin thomas homa those are probably the three that i'm looking at um and i gotta make a decision at some point i think max is also a very big game plan guy like him and his caddy joe have an absolutely phenomenal relationship and it seems like they they'll develop a plan like he reminds me of like a sean mcveigh or like someone who will like script out like the first two series of the game like every play i think that he comes into an event with like a very set in stone plan like he knows what he's gonna do in these events where he's comfortable he knows exactly how to play riv he knows exactly what club he's gonna take off the tee it really frees him up to not have to make so many decisions out there when him and his caddy have a plan the problem he has it like augusta is augusta fucks with your plan like immediately and that place will throw a wrinkle in it and then you have to adapt and that's why we see players who are super creative and will be able to adapt to any situation like Spieth and like Reed and like Phil and these guys play well at Augusta because they could like just morph themselves into whatever crazy scenario that they end up in. I think this is a course that kind of um, will assist Max in sort of that game planning with his caddy. They'll come in knowing exactly what clubs they're going to take on what holes. And now it's just about execution. Yeah, I think, I think that's a great call. And and we know that he, uh, he has his courses, right? Like he defended his Silverado, you know, I think that places he plays well, he just plays well. So. All right. Mid tier like um, burns 30 Hatton, 35, Kim, 35, Ricky, 35, um, Sahith 45, Connors, Fleetwood, Lowry in the 50 to 1 range, Wyndham Clark 60, Keith Mitchell 60, Keegan Bradley 60. Um, I don't have anything here, Luke, because I spent on the two guys up top. But is there anything in this sort of uh, call it the mid tier range that has your interest? Yeah, I'm kind of probably going to be in the same position as you where I spent all my chips up top. If I do end up going in this range, the one guy I'm looking at is is Killa Keith. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, he's got two really nice finishes here, a third and an eighth um, nice. in those years where it was actually played at this course. Um, he's also coming off a sixth at his last start. You know, he's just hitting the ball really well. He's, he's kind of leveled up this season, I think. Um, we've seen him showing up at these elevated events, and he's no longer like, uh, you know, kind of a, a second or third tier PGA Tour player. He's either – he's kind of – he's leveled up a bit. Um, it's Bermuda putting surfaces, which he likes. I think that everything sets up pretty well for uh, for Killa Keith here. Oh, and, and yeah, that six was at the uh, – that was at the little team event with Sungjae. And, yeah, they played mm-hmm. really well, right? So – um, that would be the only guy kind of in this range I would have any interest in. Okay. I see that the course history certainly checks out the, the distance and the total driving and the ability to get off the tee, uh, obviously checks out as well with Keith. Um, I didn't want to, but I would say I have to talk a little bit about Corey Connors because when running some numbers, I was actually quite surprised at some of the stuff um, I saw from Corey Connors and he's definitely not a guy that I would consider as like a, a an elite driver off the tee. Like he's not Rory or Cam Young or these guys that are going to carry it over 300. Uh, but he has the ability to play long golf courses really well um, in terms of greens and regulation gained on courses over 7,400 yards. He's number one in the field. Um, in terms of strokes gained approach on courses over 7,500 or over 7,400 that also feature difficult scoring conditions, he's number two in approach in the entire field. Um, he just has the ability to sort of navigate these long, difficult tests really well and has so has done so sort of historically over his career, which I definitely found intriguing. I probably have room if maybe that drifts to a 60 to add, which I have some interest in, but. Um, it ultimately comes down to like, yeah, the numbers say one thing with Corey Connors, but they always are going to say that. Do you believe he can win something other than the Valero Texas Open? And that's where that's the hurdle that I kind of got to get past. Going to sort of long bomb range, um, Harmon, Woodland, Taylor Moore, Siwoo Kim, Matt Kuchar, Taylor Montgomery, Chris Kirk. Those are some guys uh, hovering just under 100 to 1. Then you get up to Rogers, Grio, Scott, Kitayama in the low hundred range. Um, I took Gary Woodland. I got a 90 to one. I can't get past it. Uh, I did not. I was able to resist last week at like 20 to one in Mexico, which I'm happy that I did. Uh, But he ranks third overall in the stat model that I ran, which is, uh, you know, number one in proximity over 200 yards. He's an absolutely phenomenal long iron player. Uh, he just checks all the boxes. Number six in distance off the tee. The approach numbers are all in the top 10 right now. Um, everything is clicking seemingly except the putter for Gary. I think this is a good course that should set up with his skill set. I like the fact that he's in a little bit of a groove playing right now, which he sent, tends to sort of carry form uh, pretty well based on his previous career. So uh, 90 to one, I would endorse it all the way down to 75 if you have that number as well. But that's sort of my favorite guy in this re- just sub 100 to one range. What about you? Yeah, I will be on Gary uh, McGlutton for punishment. I was yep. on him last week. I wasn't able to resist. Um, and you know, same thing that I kind of mentioned with, with JT earlier, like he's just hitting the ball so damn nice and cannot make a putt. I mean, the guy had to have missed, I I think on day one, he missed two four footers and then he missed another like three footer on Friday. It's like, dude, you're, you're losing like almost, you know, full strokes putting on these putts. Like those are 95% putts that these guys are making. You missed three of them. Yeah, And it, it's tough to watch, man. But like you said, you can't run a stat model that doesn't have him super high. His ball striking sure. is super elite. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. And hopefully he just catches a hot putter. Um, none of these other guys really interest me all that much in this field. Like, I just don't look at these names and see, like, hey, that's a guy who could win an elevated event. Other than maybe Chris Kirk. Um, Chris Kirk's got, I think, a lot of the tools that you would need. Um to win here you know when he when he's on he's gonna hit the ball he's gonna hit a lot of greens and he's gonna hit it to 15 20 feet a lot and that's mm-hmm. actually his range that he makes putts is <laughs> he doesn't like to make eight footers he likes to make 16 footers 
Um, so I can see that he's, he's got really good uh, three putt avoidance in the stats. If you run through it and that's a guy who in this bomb range is, is maybe worth a look and, you know, guys who can play each ways in top tens and twenties, maybe somebody to think about. Yeah. Um, agree with a lot of your points there. The thing, so I was back in like either December, or early January. Um, I was playing, I have a, a buddy who I play golf with down here. That's a member at pine tree, which is just South of here in uh, Delray beach. So Gary is a member there and I see him quite often when I go there. So he was on the range and he probably had Luke like four different sets of irons and shafts everywhere. And like, he was clearly trying to figure something out with the clubs that he was playing, which I think he still plays those Wilson clubs. Um, yeah. But my point being something has clicked some sort of combination yeah. there. He has really gotten it figured out where he's so comfortable now with almost any iron in his hand. And that is absolutely when he is the most dangerous. You mentioned Chris Kirk. Um, it, it's like you mentioned, you got to find a guy who you think can win. We're talking outright bets in an elevated event. Kirk Kitayama did it right about yeah. two months ago. So I don't want to completely overlook him. Taylor Montgomery is an interesting case study for me because so I had this idea last year with Cameron Young a lot where this guy is a basically a rookie he's going to have major ups and downs to the start of his career peaks and valleys and when he's at the peak he's going to be 30 to 1 in some events when he's down below he's going to be 100 to 1 and that's what we saw a lot with Cameron Young last year he was at the 28 to 30 to 1s and then all of a sudden, he's 125 to 1 to win the Open Championship in these other events. So he would get there. And I still think that no matter what the number is, if the guy shows up with his best stuff, he's good enough to be on a leaderboard on Sunday. And I think the same of Taylor Montgomery. So anytime he starts to flirt with these 90 to 100 to 1 numbers, he was the best guy on the Corn Ferry Tour last year. He's going to likely win Rookie of the Year. Um, he has the best skill set long term, I believe, of all the young players for the PGA Tour. I think like at some point he's going to break through and I'm more comfortable betting him at 100 to 1 than I am in subpar events where he's going to be 25 to 1 off a couple of good weeks. I know the form hasn't been there, but it's just a name that sort of is intriguing to me. Yeah, um, I, I like Taylor Montgomery. And one thing, you know, I mean, his putting since he's been on the PJ Tour has been absolutely elite. One thing that I noticed with him that is super frustrating because you mentioned he was the, the player of the year on the Corn Ferry or one of the best players, whatever. Yeah. He like he led the Corn Ferry in driving distance. And I track him a lot because I bet him a lot. And the guy, I swear to God, clubs down more than any other player and hits that. terrible shots. Like, he 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 hits a three wood into the trees and it's like two hundred yards into the trees. Right, just hit in the, the playoff driver. hole. Hit it into the trees, man. Just hit the goddamn driver. He topped um, the three yeah. wood of the playoff hole. Yeah, like why does he? I, I don't understand why he clubs down so much because he whenever he does, he hits horrible shots. Like just just bomb away, man. And and if he you know figures that out, this could be a course where he could just bomb away hit greens in regulation like crazy and, and catch a hot putter. Like you said, he's got the pedigree. So yeah, that's, that's an interesting guy to think about for sure. I'm trying to pull it up now just to see where he's at in terms of distance. Okay. He's 34th yeah, in the field in driving distance. So the rest of the numbers are pretty sour right now. One guy I wanted to mention just because I was absolutely shocked by some of the off the tee numbers, Hayden Buckley. Um, so yeah, my guy, massive. PGA Blitz actually uh, posted um, like a like a top 10, basically, of guys who are set up the best off the tee here. And it was guys who are long. It was it was, you know, it was Rory. It was Finau. It was these players who you would expect to be there off the tee. And then it was like Hayden Buckley, who was like averaging 285 carry distance. And he, but he's still gaining the same amount of strokes off the tee. Um, so he just has that ability to sort of put together really good numbers while he maybe is 15 to 20 yards behind someone like Finau or Rory or the longest hitters in the field, which I think definitely lead to success here. So he's someone I would maybe consider for like a top 10, top 20 bet. He's 10 to one here to finish 
Uh, what are these top 10? Yeah, so he's 10 to 1 on DraftKings to finish top 10. Um, he's someone I definitely sort of have my eye on. Sam Stevens has been playing incredibly well. I know that a lot of people really like him this week. Akshay did it again, man. And I'm super impressed with his putter. Um, I'm super impressed with his aggressiveness. Like, that I love. Like, I, like you mentioned, you hate that about Montgomery. But Tia, man, like... There were holes at the Mexico Open there and playing with Rob and Fidel where they're like being very strategic off the tee and he's just like, fuck it, I'm hitting driver. Bombs and like blowing yeah. it by them. And it's just fun to see a little bit of recklessness in there in a good way for someone like a young player like him. Um, but I think that ultimately it's like, I'm playing to win, right? I'm not playing to cash a T six here. Like I'm playing where if my driver goes right and Finau's hitting three iron and Rom's hitting hybrid. Like if my, if I'm in the fairway and I'm 110 yards, like that's an advantage that I can have over these two guys. Because if I hit hybrid and Rom hits hybrid and Finau hits three iron, we're all playing from the same spot over, 18 holes they're better than me like my avenue to beat them two in the final group is to be more aggressive and hope it works and it was just great to see that sort of mindset take place yeah that guy's fun man easy guy to root for and yeah that's a good good breakdown talk about knowing your game right knowing knowing where you're at compared to the guys in the field so for sure dude listen uh Awesome to talk to you as always, man. Um, I appreciate the hell out of you for coming on to the show sort of on short notice. I apologize for being disorganized and th- totally throwing a wrinkle in family bedtime tonight. Uh, we've got we've got naked butts on screen on preferred lines. YouTube might flag me for that. But <laughs> I did we did we flash a butt there? Oh man. Yeah, we had cheeks. We had some cheeks. Yeah. Like I said, man, we're we're potty training, dude. There's no only diapers. one way to do it. You got to figure it out, man. So, yeah. Hey, I, I appreciate it, Joe. Sorry for the the screaming in the background. It's you know how it goes. Um, we we fit our full time hobby into the the precious minutes that we have, right? So, absolutely, dude. Uh, thank you so much for hopping on. Great to talk to you as always. We will be in touch. Uh, we'll be in touch soon, man. Best of luck and happy. Have a good night. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Later, pal. My man, uh, just one of my favorite people to sort of bring on and do the show with. Um, I appreciate you guys, Brian, Ted, uh, anyone who was here and commenting on the show. Like, thank you so much. I hope that you enjoyed it. I'm knocking my phone over. Uh, It's been another terrific episode of Preferred Lines. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. Give it a thumbs up if you enjoyed this over on YouTube. Uh, Maybe share it on social media. Every little bit goes a long way. Uh, Thank you so much. We'll be back here again next week, Monday night, 830. You know the time I'm going on vacation. I might not watch much golf this weekend, but I'll be back next week to talk about it with you. Uh, Best of luck to everyone and hope you have a great night. Thanks.